0: It's arbitration day. Well, kind of arbitration day. The Marlins getting some deals done for 2023 with their arbitration-eligible players. Not everyone not everyone manages to find a deal. We're going to dig into everyone that has and hasn't managed to strike a deal. Uh, some will need to go to the arbitration room hearing, if that is the right way of describing it. Plus, looking back as well on the Miguel Rojas uh, trade, some further thoughts, reflections on that one. Plus, trade rumors continue to circle around the Marlins pitching. We also had a Kim Ang Media Day. Some of the news nuggets from that one. Absolutely packed show. A solo show. All on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins. Your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I, of course, am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. No Instas, no TikToks. I'm too old. I am 40 years of age in 2023. Uh, If you are listening to the pod, hit subscribe. Leave a review. Why not? Five stars, appreciate it. And if you are considering, yes, there is a YouTube channel. And I must call it out, guys. And thank you, a big thank you. Uh, my the YouTube show, the Miguel Rojas episode, the last episode we did, myself and Sean Barrett. Immediate reaction to that uh, is the most viewed ever episode of Locked On Marlins, smashing the previous records way out of the park. Previous record was like six hundred and fifty views. The Yikes uh, players meeting episode with Craig Mish, which was a stunner, by the way. And it's interesting that that has been surpassed quite significantly by the Miguel Rojas trade to the Dodgers episode, over 2,000 views. Thank you, guys. And as I've always said, if there is news, Locked on Marlins will always be there for you. Guys, it's Friday the 13th, <laughs> but there is a Locked on Marlins to be had. What I must say, and if for those with the keen eye, keen eye on the YouTube uh version of this episode will have seen a name flashed up in the intro who's that name danny rodriguez yes danny rodriguez uh should have been on the episode was gonna be on the episode and we hit some technical dif- difficulties so long time listener first time caller danny rodriguez will be on locked on marlins next week we'll make sure that happens i am absolutely pumped to have danny on the show it's gonna be a lot of fun no doubt so guys We need to start with the arbitration news from today. The Marlins had seven players arbitration eligible uh, and that that needed to uh, either reach an agreement by today or will go to the arbitration hearing itself. News started to filter through from our usual sources and what I mean by that is Craig Mish fundamentally, uh, but also where John Heyman was... uh, Taking an interesting approach to arbitration news breaking over the past few hours. Just a name and a dollar amount. Whether there was, I'm not even sure there's a dollar um, symbol used. It was just a name and a number, and uh, that was it. But Heyman was pumping them out. But fundamentally, guys, here's what we get to know. A lot of the core uh, guys, they've got deals done with. Pablo Lopez, that was the name I was particularly interested in. Are they going to get something done with Pablo before going to a hearing? They do. million in ARB2 for Pablo Lopez. They also get deals done. uh, ARB3 for Garrett Cooper, final year of control for the Marlins. They get that deal done, uh, just over 4 million there. Uh, Jacob Stallings, that was right. It looked like right at the deadline, that news. I think they'd they'd said, hey, that's it. No more deals. And then the Jacob Stallings one drops as well. So that went right to the wire. Tanner Scott came out as well. Uh, So Scott's uh, agreed. Uh, And Joey Wendell. Uh, in his final year as well, uh, $6 million, uh, for Wendell. So some big money flying around for the Marlins today. They get the deals done. Uh, guys that they didn't reach an agreement on, Jesus Lizardo, John Birdie, and Char Gua uh, as well, the, the recently acquired reliever. So still some work for the Marlins to do. Uh, it's interesting, those players that, that didn't get a deal done, I think Jesus Lizardo particularly, you know, he'll be scrapping and clawing for every kind of value because he flashed significant ability last year uh, and obviously was hurt for a portion, which is how the Marlins will then downvalue what they need to pay him. But Jesus Lazada will feel really good about what he what he did, the numbers he put up, um, and what, you know, that that's why he'll be fighting for that one, which makes sense. John Birdie as well. It's another interesting one. You know, uh, the stolen base leader in Major League Baseball, John Birdie, and uh, yeah, there's there's probably some some back and forth there, Shagwar, I guess you know that might just be a, you know, they might be nickel and dining him there and just trying to save some dough and you know whatever. I mean, I think the projection was only a million for for him anyway. Um, so wait and see. I think the the projection for Lazardo at two million, you know, it feels low, doesn't it? If Lazardo continues on the pathway um, for for next year that that he's shown in 2022. He's clearly going to way outperform two million, uh, particularly when you have like a guy like Tanner Scott Arb 2 earning over two point eight million. This is where arbitration uh, as a concept, uh, to me, uh, as, as a British guy that doesn't fully understand arbitration, but it, the concept is pretty wild to be honest with you. It's heavily ingrained into baseball historically, and I get that. And but you know, as a neutral or as someone new to the game, looking at it, you're like this doesn't make a ton of sense. (laughs) And it's fraught with danger and fraught with issues that I think the Marlins actually tried to avoid this year. That's what I mentioned last year. They had to go all the way to the wire with Pablo Lopez. They had to get in the arbitration hearing room itself. And the difference was last year, because of the lockout, the arbitration hearings were happening in the season, if you recall. So Pablo Lopez was having to negotiate his contract his number while the season was like already going on and he'd already put up the pitcher of the month in in April and so that's why it became a really weird and wild situation where Pablo was negotiating based on his past non 2022 performance and the Marlins were trying to hammer him down whilst on the field Pablo Lopez putting up the pitcher of the month award in April wild situation wild uh, history the Marlins get a deal done with Pablo Lopez, and that was the one I was particularly intrigued about, like I mentioned. And I'm pleased they have. I am really pleased that they have. I'm glad it hasn't dragged on. Um, I put up something as well saying, hey, look at the numbers here. Pablo Lopez, 5.45 million. Uh, Max Fried couldn't get a deal done with the Braves, but Arb 2, also you know, same arbitration year as Pablo Lopez. He's projected at 12 million. 12 million for Max Freed. And less than six million for Pablo Lopez. I understand there's you know a career F war difference, and you know, listen, Freed had a great year last year, etc. etc. But listen, under six million for Pablo Lopez, it's stunning value, stunning value, and this is where things get interesting. We're gonna talk about it in the second part of the show because once the Mega Rojas news dropped, all of a sudden there was like a, a Twitter avalanche from a lot of my favorite accounts that I would describe as unverified journalist accounts (laughs) in many ways. The Lion in Texas, for example, who I've particularly enjoyed this offseason. But all of a sudden there was this avalanche of news, and that's in in inverted commas news. Uh, There was a lot of tweets all of a sudden to suggest that Pablo Lopez to the twins was about to happen. Um, I was, you know, refreshing Twitter every uh, half a second. Is this going to happen? Are they gonna go bang bang? Miggy Pablo. They didn't. <laughs> I had to go to bed, woke up, thought, okay, nothing's happened. So, but the point being made here, that number, less than six million. It's a wonderful number for a Pablo Lopez type of pitcher, no doubt about it. Um, let's with the arbitration stuff done. So we now know there's three guys that there's they they still need to um haggle over, let's say. Um, but I'm delighted they got some deals done with, with with the guys that they have. I can understand why Jesus Lozado uh, and John Birdie will need some negotiation. I can understand why they were perhaps apart in value. Lazardo shown the skills to be a you know a, a two three starter in any rotation, and but the health or the innings missed, I think last year and the and the past performances as well, like probably hinder that. John Birdie in the playing time he had. He was effective, right? Two and a half war guy. Um, so I can understand that with Birdie. One of the best utility guys in the league, you would say. So I can completely understand why they are going to have to negotiate hard. And you have to. At the end of the day, you know, from a player's perspective, you got to negotiate hard. you got to try and understand your value and stick to your guns. The same for the clubs. That is the deal. And you've got to have some thick skin, I would say, going into those uh, hearings as well. Because you're going to hear some things that you maybe don't want to hear and won't like hearing, but that's part of it. It's all there, it's all business. I think David Samson would say that somewhere. Anyway, uh, let's um, let you know about our good friends over at uh, Built Bar. Get into the Built Bar uh, one, and then we need to talk about Miguel Rojas, Kim Ang Presa, and also some trade rumors that we uh, talked about. But if you're looking for a delicious treat on a Friday, Friday the 13th, but don't want all the fat and calories, uh, just side note, I've just had a Domino's pizza. Anyway, uh, you've got to try the Built Bars. We've just got through the holidays and my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. Not on Fridays though. If you're like me, you want to eat healthy but don't want to compromise taste, then you've got it all. Built Bar, they have it all. Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Bilt so good? For starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And the flavors, baby, unbelievable. Juro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almonds. I'm not sure how Built does it, but they do. These bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is they are healthy. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar and a whopping 1717 grams of protein. All for the biceps, baby. Um, you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've talked about Built Bars at Built.com, but you can now get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. Pick up a four-bar box, cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. How about those puffs, baby? And if you're close to Sam's Club running, grab a 13-bar box and hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. Oh, my days. You can thank me later on that one, guys. Oh, my days. Those built bars sound sensational. Talking about sensational, Miguel Rojas's Instagram. I, I think it's live. I think it's alive. Is that the right language? Someone let me know. Someone younger than me let me know. Miguel Rojas, with his goodbyes, his direct goodbyes to the fan base, driving into Lone Depot for the last time, for now, anyway, he'll be back at some point as a player, I'm sure, and probably after that, too. But driving back in, going in to clean out his his locker, and the the, the only way to describe it is emotional, truly emotional for Miguel Rojas. I love the fact that he wanted to do this rather than he said. He, he said it in, in in the live. I didn't just want to send out a post. I wanted to come on and do a live and do it for the fans, etc., but truly emotional. The thing that, that sticks with Miguel Rojas in this is just his just how badly he wanted to succeed with the Marlins. Loves his love for the Marlins, and his he just wanted to, to win so badly with the Marlins, and you could feel that pouring through the screen. He was getting emotional because when you've been with a club for eight years. And you've been a huge part of the club. Like Miguel Rojas with the Marlins, he's been put on a pedestal. He's been allowed to be put on this pedestal and really just try to drive this club forward. That is is—it's a big position of responsibility, um, but he hasn't shirked away from that. He's embraced that. He's wanted that. And in some ways, he'll miss that, I sense, because you go to the Dodgers... You know, and in, in the Marlins—it's it's, hes a big fish in the little pond, let's say, in many ways, and has been particularly through the rebuild years. You go to the Dodgers; it's a different vibe. You're a, your your voice—it's a different type of voice in the clubhouse. You don't—you're not the leader anymore. You're just one of the guys, and so it's going to be—it's going to be a change and an adjustment for Mickey. What he did call out is—he is certainly looking forward to having fifty thousand fans cheering for him on a daily basis. Don't blame him. Absolutely. That's one of the things to look forward to, right? As much as you can love the Marlins and love being in Miami, what you can't really enjoy as a baseball fan, uh, sorry, as a baseball player is fundamentally playing your home games in one third full, one quarter full ballparks day in, day out. Like that's got to sap the juice away a little bit. And you just can, you'll just feel a little bit of jealousy. When you look at the other fan bases and the other ballparks that are packed out and teams that are contending, you want to play in those atmospheres. Nevertheless, I thought it was a great thing for Miggy to do. I think the fans really appreciated it. They really did. Like it was it was from the heart. And that's the thing with Miggy. It's it's unquestioned. His desire to win in Miami is unquestioned. He said it's time to move on now. And for us as Marlins fans, we all wish him well. I wish him well for certain. I think he's. I'm intrigued to see, and I've been listening to a few Dodgers podcasts to try and get their sense about what role Miguel Rojas is going to play. But right now, gut feel is he's he's going to be starting every day at shortstop for the Dodgers, and that's a that's a wonderful opportunity for Miguel Rojas. And I'm very intrigued to see how he plays where he doesn't have he doesn't have the weight of the organization on his shoulders every day. He doesn't have to be the guy in the lineup and put the pressure on himself. He can just go out there, play his defense, and relax. Relax, loosen up. you got you got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman hitting around you. Um, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you're going to be fine. Interested to see how it goes in Miggy, and uh, I'll always be a fan, no doubt. Um, but I love that. Kim Ang met the media. I managed to join. It was a Zoom, a Zoom media session. So hey, praise the Lord. Back the 2020 vibes, Zoom media sessions, managed to get in. Um and and uh hear uh hear some of the, the the comments from Kim uh after the the trade was made. Uh, you know, she also echoed a lot of the sentiments about Miguel Rojas about how uh, how well and gracefully he, he took everything. Clearly it was upsetting for him, um, but took it well and said, listen, if this is best for the Marlins, you know, he's all for it. It is what it is. Um, the main topics of conversation though, guys, I would say fundamentally stemmed around the shortstop position. The question that's been on everyone's lips since the trade was made is what is going to happen? Who is going to be playing shortstop and to go even a stage further, which Jordan McPherson did go a stage further and ask the question directly, is jazz Chisholm Jr. going to have an opportunity to shortstop, uh, Kim Ang in the media session itself, non committal, uh, on purpose, I believe. Um, she did call out to say the off season isn't done yet. Uh, she's openly acknowledged. We need some more sticks. Uh, I'm not certain that the Marlins are going to be acquiring a big power stick at the shortstop position via trade, but we will wait and see on that one. But she did call out there's off season yet to go. uh, Jordan directly asked whether jazz could be in, in the mix for the, for, for the starting shortstop gig. Uh she said we haven't decided yet, uh, effectively. And they're not ready to go out there and announce the starting shortstop right now. So non-committal from Kim. When when you are in the room and you see and you hear and you get the vibe, yeah, my I mean, Craig Mish has reported right now, they're going with Joey Wendell. Uh we'll wait to see. Uh, I've obviously been saying I th- I think gut feel is they want to build around jazz, and jazz at shortstop, I think makes a ton of sense. Uh, But with one year of Wendell, perhaps we'll slot Wendell in there. If they're going with Gene Segura at third base, Gene's in a third. Like, listen, Gene's got to play every day. Uh, He's paid to play every day. Jazz is going to be playing every day. And Wendell at $6 he's playing every day. Like, from a Marlins perspective, they're the kind of numbers where you're playing every day. It's just the question's going to come down to, is Wendell going to play third, Jazz short, Gene second? Gene short, Jazz second, Wendell third. Or... Mix it up. We'll wait and see on that one. There wasn't a lot of information that came out from the media session. You know, Kim's not going to lay out the plans, et cetera. Um, but there was a question around Heron Canacion at first base. Uh, I think that was Grant from Fish Stripes asked the question directly. And again, like, you know, Kim called it out to say that Sini's been performing well, uh, you know, through the Winter League, et cetera. We'll wait and see. Doesn't feel like it's a big part of the Marlins' plans to have Herrera and Canacion playing um, at first base. Uh, Craig Mish, I think, mentioned that they, they've got their eye on maybe Nick Fortes, um, you know, getting some reps at first base. You know, it's a dangerous situation to go with your backup catcher. Well, it could be a starting catcher, actually, uh, playing at first base as well. Uh, leaves you a little bit thin if, uh, if things go wrong. But anyway... Um, they were the kind of headlines from it, really. Everyone was thinking about Jazz. Everyone was thinking about the shortstop position. And in, re- in reality, we got an answer to neither of those questions, other than the fact that we're not ready to make a decision yet on that, or not at least tell you that we've made a decision on that. Let's finish up, though, guys, because I'm conscious we are already at the 20 minute mark. Uh, a lot going on here in Marlin's world with arbitration, with Miguel Rojas, goodbyes, with media days, but also some trade rumor stuff. There's a lot of buzz ton of buzz around the Marlins and twins, uh, right now, whether that buzz is founded, I don't know. Um, it's certainly fun to follow. Uh, Craig was on a spaces, I think with, with Kenny takes were made. Uh, I wasn't able to join. It was late doors for me. Uh, and there was no recording. So I didn't get to get to hear back and listen back. But I think Craig on that did suggest that nothing was imminent in terms of a move. Um, and so, you know, we'll wait to see what happens. Uh, we know the Marlins are active and we know they're actively looking to move one of their four guys, if not more than uh, one of their four guys that are, that are available right now. Craig has also said that he's not heard Jesus Lazardo's name come up at all in any conversations. Um, I don't think that's through a lack of clubs asking on Lazardo, by the way. I think that's a, a Marlins way of saying we're, we're not moving Lozardo, um, which makes sense which then takes us actually down to three guys, really, with Trevor Rogers, Pablo Lopez, and Edward Cabrera. Maybe Braxton Garrett, I guess, but I think those three are are probably, you know, to get the type of bat you need, it's going to be one of them three. Um, A lot then coming down and a lot of buzz around Max Kepler from the Twins, Uraez uh, as well is is being mentioned a lot, Royce Lewis. These three guys are the players that keep coming up in suggestions and conversations with the Twins. I'm intrigued to see what happens here. I think the Twins and Marlins, clearly the Twins, go and sign Correa. All of a sudden, maybe that changes things for them. They're thinking, hey, let's go. Let's go. Um, I do think Kepler is expendable from from the Twins. Go and look at his baseball savant profile as well, Max Kepler. It is lovely. Lovely. His numbers don't stack up with that, which is interesting. When you go and look at his numbers, you're a bit like, oh, okay, the profile and the numbers don't quite sync. But if you're a baseball savant guy, you'll enjoy Max Kepler's profile. The question I have is, Max Kepler at center field? Could they make it happen? Could he make it happen? Uh, I don't know. It looks like he, you know, at the end of the day, we don't. I don't think the Marlins need to be going out and acquiring via trade as the trade to go and acquire another corner outfielder. You know, we know the situation with Avi Garcia. We know the situation with Jesus Sanchez, with Brian De La Cruz, with J.J. Bladay, Peyton Burdick. There's tons of them. Center field. If Max Kepler and the Marlins feel that Kepler can play center field, I'm all for it. Profile looks nice. Defense looks good. Again, baseball savant, it's like, you know, he's 96th percentile in, uh, you know, range and arm and everything. Looks good. So that's the question. Then comes down to, what are you doing with, uh, you know, Arias' his name has been buzzed a lot. Funky profile for me, Arias. I just want to talk about that. He just won the batting title for the for the AL. So, listen, we can't knock it, but if he's going to play first base, it's, it's a non-prototypical profile for a first baseman. We have to say that. You know, he profiles more as a, you know, a, a second baseman fundamentally. And, you know, he hasn't been playing second base. The defense isn't great. I'm... I'm not in on Arias, to be honest with you. I've I've never been... I get it that the Marlins need a contact hitter, but I think they've just gone and acquired that with Gene Segura. Okay, not to quite the level of Arias, but Segura's got the defense. Um, I I, I just don't see the fit. What I think would be very interesting is perhaps uh, the Royce Lewis situation, maybe. And maybe that would be more of a fit. And for a Twins perspective, this is where I think things do get interesting, where... To try and create the value here for the Twins and Marlins, perhaps Pablo Lopez, Joey Wendell, Royce Lewis, Max Kepler. Is that the deal? If Kepler can play center field and Royce Lewis can play shortstop, is that the deal that you look to make? Moving your one year of Wendell, moving backwards in terms of control with Royce Lewis, Kepler comes in, Play center field, plugs the gap, got the power profile. I don't know. I mean, I don't know a ton about um, Kepler or Royce Lewis, to be honest with you, but we're hearing a lot. R- this is rumor season, guys. The Marlins, they have to do something. The Twins make a ton of sense. The Red Sox make a ton of sense, and loads of other teams make a ton of sense. What also makes sense on Friday the 13th, past 11 o'clock p.m. in the UK and 25 minutes into this episode is it makes sense for me to say goodbye. <laughs> I appreciate everyone for joining me and making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day, your second listen, your last listen, whatever it may be. I appreciate every single one of you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. A lot of news, solo pod today that wasn't planned. Next week, Danny Rodriguez will be in the show. I'm sure Sean Barrett will also be back as well. Tons of guests. Like I said, guys, if there is news anytime, they'll always be Lockdown Marlins. Until then, see you soon.